Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. Hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Hello, and welcome to a very special trick-or-treat edition of Two True Freaks. My name is Scott Gardner, and I'll be your host tonight as we explore the perfect venue for a spooky Halloween episode, The Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World. Now, before we begin, a few quick things and a strong word of caution. This episode will be a fun, safe, and most especially kid-friendly episode, meaning no bad language. But, and I cannot emphasize this enough, this will also be a spoiler-filled episode. In it, I'm going to share with you my experience of going on a lights-on walking tour of the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World. You'll see the mansion as you've never seen it before and learn things you may never have known. However, some things, once seen, can never be unseen. If you don't want to be spoiled, if you don't want to peek behind the curtain and know the secrets behind the hauntings, then turn back now. Oh, you're still with me? Okay. Well, you know, you were warned, so we're proceeding at your own peril. As we stand outside the massive scowling facade of that eerie house on the hill, I'd like to prepare our journey with a story of my personal connection with the Haunted Mansion. Now, I'm not sure which exactly came first for me, but the three earliest memories I have of my early, I guess you'd call it an obsession, with the Haunted Mansion were, strangely enough, a record and two TV specials. The record was one of those Disneyland book and record read-along productions. It was called Walt Disney Presents the Haunted Mansion, 
and it was narrated by a woman named Robbie Lester, who did a lot of these kind of records for Disney. She was also Ava Gabor's singing voice in the original Rescuers and in the Aristocats. If you've ever seen the Rankin-Bass holiday special called Santa Claus is Coming to Town, she was also the love interest, Jessica, who eventually became Mrs. Claus. Also, she had previously played a character named Karen on a Disney LP record called The Story and Song from the Haunted Mansion, which told the story of a lost couple who seeks shelter from a storm inside the house and the terrifying experiences that they have there. Her co-star on that record? None other than director Ron Howard. You know, of course, this was a much younger Ron Howard, and he was in between jobs as Opie Taylor, and eventually he would be Richie Cunningham. Here's a little snippet of the A-side of the book and record story that I listened to about a billion times as a child. This is a Disneyland original little long-playing record, and I am your story reader. I am going to begin now to read the story of The Haunted Mansion. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when Tinkerbell rings her little bells like this. Let's begin now. Have you ever been in a haunted mansion? I have. And I'd like to tell you about it. Now, it was in doing the research for this episode that I made an amazing discovery, or rather a rediscovery. I distinctly remember as a kid, my mother took this record away from me at one point because I started to have nightmares about it. Not long ago, I uh, finally got myself another copy of it and was flipping through it, and I had to laugh, and I was just puzzled at just what caused me to have these bad dreams as a child. You know, sure, it's a story about a haunted house, but, you know, it's done in a very cartoony kitty, if you will, a kitty style. So what had scared me so bad about this record? And then I listened to the B-side. Now, be warned, if you have little ones about and, and, you know, if they're listening to this, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes. You are a bold and courageous person, afraid of nothing. High on a hilltop near your home, there stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return.
<laughs> now I remember. That scared the fertilizer out of me when I was just a, a wee lad. That B-side recording was actually part of an earlier Disneyland LP called The Chilling, Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House. And you've probably heard that anytime you've been out trick-or-treating in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, because it's a very popular Halloween time recording. Now, that was produced a few years before the original ride opened at Disneyland, before the name Haunted Mansion was finally decided on. That's why it's called the Haunted House. That was the working name for many, many years. Now, for most of my life, I would think, and I'm embarrassed to admit, I would insist that the narrator of that book and record set had been Sandy Duncan. And it was only fairly recently that I learned that I've been dead wrong about that all these years. But that got me to thinking and put me on a quest to find out why I had been so sure that it was Sandy Duncan. And the best I could come up with was that with my other two fuzzy memories put together that maybe they had formed one very vague recollection that I, I thought I was correct about. In the same year that that book and record came out, there was a wonderful World of Disney episode called Disneyland Showtime, which featured the Osmond brothers and a very young Kurt Russell, who was a big star for Disney at the time, having a romp through the California park. The episode concludes with a fantastic behind-the-scenes-slash-making-of segment about the Haunted Mansion and a really excellent ride-through of the completed attraction. Basically, it was a commercial, but it was really, really a great look at the ride. In that final segment, they're joined by a woman who'd, who'd been around through the course of the special, but she was present, particularly in this part. Her name was E.J. Peeker. And she's a lot like Sandy Duncan, and I, you know, I probably could have easily confused the two all these years. But... On doing some research of that, that special ran in March of 1970. I wasn't even two years old yet, so could I really have remembered it that well? And I'm thinking, probably not unless it was rerun, which I'm not sure something like that was rerun in those days. So I kept digging, and eventually I came up with Sandy in Disneyland, which was another romp in the park, this time with, you guessed it, Sandy Duncan. And at one point, the true highlight of the episode, in my opinion, she and her uh, partner in crime, Ruth Buzzy, do a skit in which they play thieves intent on ransacking the Haunted Mansion. Now, this aired the second week of April 1974. That falls right within my birthday. I would have turned six years old. And in the early 70s, I was actually living in Florida, um, specifically Tampa. Walt Disney World wasn't even three years old yet in April of 1974, and promotion, I remember, was huge, heavy, and constant. I was very much aware that somewhere not too far from us was this magical land, and I was just dying to go see it. And somewhere in that land was the house that had literally been haunting my dreams. So, for my sixth birthday, my parents took me to Walt Disney World. Now, sadly, I really don't remember much of it. I have very vague and indistinct memories. I remember the orange bird. 
the actual walk-around character of the Orange Bird. It's strange that, you know, here was this character created for promotion of Florida citrus growers, who many people, until he recently came back, many people had completely forgotten or never knew existed. And, you know, the park's full of Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, all the popular Disney characters, yet it was the Orange Bird that made the biggest impression on me that I actually remembered. I remember thinking that Flight to the Moon was a real drag, and it would close the following year. I remember the lights of Main Street at night as we were leaving the park, and probably the second biggest memory is I would be plagued for the next two and a half decades by this nagging, persistent notion that I had once seen a log cabin on fire, but I would have no idea when, where, or how. That would be a mystery that would persist for a lot of years for me. But easily, the biggest and most important memory I carried away from that one day at Walt Disney World involved the thing I had been looking forward to and, you'll forgive the pun, dying to experience, was the Haunted Mansion. And I didn't get to do it. For years after, I would often dig out the massive family photo album that my mother kept and flip through the few pictures we had from that day. The big one, of course, was of the Haunted Mansion and the incredibly, ridiculously long queue line that stretched from the left to the right across the entire surface of that picture. You see, it had been a busy, busy day that day, and I'm sure it was scorching hot. And I'm sure that my parents' uh, tempers were short, particularly my father. And I know my father is not about waiting in lines. So we didn't. And I didn't get to ride the Haunted Mansion. And they tried to assure me that, you know, we would come again. We would, you know, we didn't live that far away. We would definitely be back. And, uh, you know, they were telling me this as we were leaving the park. And I'm sure I was, uh, I don't remember if I was crying, but I remember being very upset because, of course, that's the memory that sticks with me. And, you know, they tried to reassure me that, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll be back. You know, this was a huge place. We didn't get to do everything. We didn't, they, they didn't realize even then that Magic Kingdom, you just can't do it all in a day. So, we would be back. But shortly after that, my parents got divorced, and I wouldn't lay eyes on the Haunted Mansion again for 25 years. In the fall of 2010, I actually became a cast member at the Walt Disney World Resort, having finally gotten to revisit the park, Starting in 1999, when we brought my oldest boy, then my only boy, uh, for his third birthday, and something happened that I didn't anticipate. I absolutely fell in love with the place, and we went again as many, many times as we could to feed my uh, my new obsession <laughs> over the course of uh, of the 11 years between 99 and 2010, and. I can't tell you what a thrilling experience that was to uh, to become a cast member. It was literally a, a dream come true for me that I'm still continually pinching myself over. Anyway, one of the first people that I called to share the news the day that I was hired was my mother. 
And I told her the good news and what I would be doing and how excited I was. And I expected to hear, you know, likewise excitement and words of congratulation, encouragement, that sort of thing. But all I got was silence. There was this awkward pause. And for a moment I thought, did the call drop? What's going on? And then in a small, soft little tone of voice, my mother just asked me, is this because we never took you back? So one of the first things I learned of when I became a part of Walt Disney World is that the company regularly offers special tours and incentives for its cast members, one of which was a behind-the-scenes tour of the Haunted Mansion. And these are absolutely free, but they're for cast only. The only catch, and it's a big one, is that you have to sign up online and space is limited. And I mean really limited. There are only like 20 or less spots available in any given tour and when you consider that we have something on the order now of over 62,000 cast members you can understand why the tours fill up instantly the moment the registrations go live online and why it's taken me nearly two years to get in on one but I did get in and uh, I can't even begin to express how excited I was that day that I realized oh my god I'm registered for this behind-the-scenes tour for the Haunted Mansion. Now, this wasn't my first tour. That honor actually went to Soren in Epcot, another one of my favorite attractions. And it was very cool, but at the end of the day, that experience, it's pretty much just one theater building and a projected film, and it was great to see the mechanics of the ride and really get to spend time in that show building and appreciate it from a technical standpoint, that sort of thing. And we did get a great peek at living with the land from what used to be the uh, exec lounge area upstairs. And that was really awesome. But I knew that the Haunted Mansion was the tour to get. It's the one I most wanted ever since hearing that there were these tours and, uh, and I had been determined to get one. So the tour day itself started crazy early for me. I mean... I live quite a ways from the Magic Kingdom, so I got up, I'm thinking this was around about 4.30 a.m., and I am not a morning person. I'm used to staying up till 4.30 a.m., not getting up at 4.30 a.m. So I knew I had to be at the meetup about 15 minutes prior to the tour, which was scheduled to begin at 7 a.m. sharp, and the meetup was to take place in one of the stairwells leading up to the Haunted Mansion from the Utilidor system. Now, the Utilidors, which is short for Utility Corridors, are the first level of Magic Kingdom, and you may have heard of them, or rumors of them, being this secret underground tunnel system beneath the park. Well, that's only partially true. They are under the park, but they're not actually underground. And what I mean by that is that the water table in Florida is so high that you can't dig down more than a few feet before literally hitting the water table. That's why Florida homes don't have basements. So the origin of this utilidor system is that Walt Disney himself, so the legend goes, once saw a cowboy just strolling through Tomorrowland on his way to Frontierland and felt that this was a jarring thing for the guests to see, and that it destroyed the illusion that he'd worked so hard to create in his Disneyland park. So when it came time to build the Magic Kingdom, which, in essence, is just a a, a sort of a plus version of Disneyland, 
The Imagineers decided to use the material that they dredged out of the Disney-created lagoon in front of the park, Seven Seas Lagoon, to actually raise the ground level where the Magic Kingdom sits today, and they raised it up about 14 feet or so. So in reality, the Utilidors are actually ground level, and it's the Magic Kingdom that's the second story. Now, while I had been down in the Utilidors a time or two before this, I won't profess to know my way around expertly by any means, and I had never gotten there the way I was uh, going to have to do it on this particular day, which was to park in a certain designated spot outside of the park and take a security-checked transport in through a, a special entrance. This is how Magic Kingdom cast members get to work every day, but Of course, I don't work at Magic Kingdom, so I had never done it. I had no idea how long this process was going to take. So I wanted to get there bright and early so as not to run the risk of missing this appointment. So as it turned out, I madly overestimated the time needed by quite some margin, and I was the first to arrive in this prearranged stairwell. But the important thing was I had made it and I was on time. So I even had a little time to ascend the stairwell, and uh, and I watched a lot of the early morning preparations. In this is an area, uh, it's near where Fantasyland transitions into Liberty Square, and that was pretty cool. I had been in Magic Kingdom and Epcot well after closing hours before, which is you know that's always a thrill. It's more than a little bit eerie, I have to admit, because you're virtually alone in the parks and it's just it's a different kind of experience but i had never been in magic kingdom this early which at this point this was sunrise i literally watched the sun rise from inside the park and to see the bustle of activity going on it it was really it was fantastic but it was also it was a little disconcerting you know if i work there a hundred years i will never ever get used to the sight of service vehicles. You know, actual company cars and trucks, pickup trucks, parked in, say, Frontierland or over in Future World in Epcot. That's a sight that's just too bizarre. It's cool, but just, it's so strange. It's something you just don't really ever see. And, by the way, don't ever get the idea that you can just sneak in and do this kind of thing just because you might think you know your way around. Because even with my papers and my name tag, I was challenged plenty of times as to what my purpose was for just hanging around in the Magic Kingdom after hours. Same thing happened to me when I went on my Soarin' Tour. You know, I managed to walk all the way from the cast entrance, which is somewhere around the test track area, over to the front of the land pavilion. If you know your layout of Epcot, you know that that's that's the entire width of the park. And I got to the land pavilion, which is, you know, home of where Soarin' is, and... On that walk, I never saw another living soul the entire time. And about the time I was just about to sit down on the bench, and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, you know, I, this is kind of weird. You know, where's you know, the, is the security lax? What's going on?" I no sooner had that thought than uh, I was descended upon by no fewer than like four different security patrols, all demanding to know, "Okay, what are you doing here?" 
<laughs> so again, don't get any crazy idea. I was there with a purpose, and it was still, it was a little scary. As time grew nearer for the start of the tour, uh, I went back down to the base of the stairwell, and eventually other people began to arrive. And then other people. And then more other people. And then tons of more other people. And eventually something like, I'm thinking it was 40, 50 people showed up. Now, this might seem really kind of strange, I guess, but uh, believe it or not, even though there are sign-ups and a registration process for these tours, even though it's really, really tough to get in on them, this one in particular, still, sometimes, uh, it's a good idea to show up anyway because spots actually go unfilled on the day of the tour. This happened during the Soren tour that I went on. So a lot more people showed up than were actually signed up, hoping that there may be spots available. And there actually were spots available. Uh, there were a couple of no-shows, as hard as that is to believe. But, you know, because so many extra people showed up, the tour guides, you know, in an effort to be fair to everybody... All of the extra people that showed up were turned away, and these spots actually went unfilled, which is just, <laughs> that's kind of mind-blowing to me, but I understand why they did it that way. So our hosts, by this point, they had showed up, and we actually, yeah, we had a host. We had two tour guides for this event, and they were a couple of really, really nice guys. Uh, their names were Chris and David, and Chris uh, and on the day of this tour, he was actually costumed for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean because he would be working there uh, later that morning. But David was in costume, of course, for the Haunted Mansion. And by the way, he's one of the tallest Haunted Mansion butlers I think I've ever seen. And, uh, and one heck of a nice guy. Really, really nice guy. So they passed out these orange safety vests. You know, you've seen them, uh, you know, like road crews and, and people like that wear them. And we needed these because we would, at one point, be walking around a working construction site. And they checked our IDs again, and then it was time for the tour. Now, it must be noted that uh, I had had nothing but giddy anticipation and butterflies in my stomach up to this point. The morning I was leaving for this thing, my youngest boy, Logan, he... Uh, you know, I, I went to him to, you know, to, to share the excitement. You know, I was leaving for the tour that day. He knew about this. And he put a thought in my head that morning that uh, he just looked at me and he said, but aren't you afraid that it'll ruin it for you? And, you know, quite frankly, I just, I, I guess I hadn't thought about that. You know, in my anticipation to try to win a spot in this thing... I hadn't really stopped to consider the implications and, and, and the ramifications. Would such a thing destroy any or all of the Haunted Mansion for me? You know, it was a sobering thought, and I'm a huge fan. So what if I saw something that I shouldn't have seen? But thankfully, by that point, I had spent enough time backstage and in backstage areas, and, and of course... You know, in my own constant pursuits of the details behind the magic, so to speak, you know, how things are built, how they're constructed, how they work, you know, the history of 
the parks and the rides and the attractions, that sort of thing, that I was pretty confident that, if anything, this would only enhance the experience and, and, and my appreciation for the Haunted Mansion. But, of course, time would tell. Now, thankfully, I was given permission to audio record the tour, and I will be using select moments from that recording during the course of this episode, but I really I really only recorded it to, well, to both assist my memory of this thing, because you know I'd want to do an episode about it, um, but also because the, uh, the audio quality, it's nothing to brag about. Um, so it's something where I don't think you're going to want to listen to it for long stretches. Um, but I will be using some of it to kind of enhance the uh, the experience. But uh, really, I, I'm I really much more want to relate this story to you this this tale of of the tour of the haunted mansion in my own words. But I'm very very thankful that uh, that I was allowed to record it because that's a nice little memento, a nice little keepsake that I, I wouldn't have otherwise. Because sadly. Uh, no pictures were allowed on the tour. Now, this didn't surprise me at all, but it was a little disappointing nonetheless. But, you know, enough about disappointments because from this point on, there are absolutely no disappointments, believe me. Our tour begins here in this gallery where you see paintings of some of our guests as they appeared in their corruptible mortal state. So we actually entered the Haunted Mansion through the exit and crossed through a, um, well, it's not really a hallway. It's more just of a, of a little shortcut between the exit and where the stretching rooms empty out into the load area. Now, I say stretching rooms because there's, there's more than one. Uh, both the entrance and exit doors to at least one of the stretching rooms stood open, and you could see straight through out into the the actual queue area, destroying any illusions whatsoever of there being an elevator at work uh, in that particular room. Now, unlike the Disneyland version of the Haunted Mansion, the stretching rooms at the Walt Disney World version, they actually stretch. See, when the Haunted Mansion was built in Disneyland, there wasn't enough physical space inside the park to house the show building. So the Imagineers came up with a really clever solution. They built the show building on the other side of the berm that surrounds the park. So essentially they built it outside the park proper. This meant, of course, that the guests, they would have to be lowered by elevator down underground, then cross under the berm to enter the show building. In Walt Disney World, this wasn't necessary due to the blessing of size. Uh, the show building is right behind the Haunted Mansion facade, so guests don't have to be lowered down. Is this haunted room actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? Hmm? More on the stretching room a little later. So tour guide David challenged anyone in our little group to claim that they had actually seen all 999 happy haunts, and one took up the sucker's bet and immediately regretted it as David shone a light on the wallpaper... Now, even with the lights on, it's it's still gloomy in the load area. And he pointed out the eyes and the noses and the teeth 
of some of the hundreds of guests that are all around you, always watching. Tour guide Chris, in the meantime, he was locking down the ride access control, or rack, to prevent the uh, ride vehicles, called doom buggies, from starting up while we were actually walking the ride path. Now, what was weird during this moment was the half-familiar nature of things. We were in the Haunted Mansion, but the lights were on. We could hear Paul Freeze's narration in the stretching room, but it was playing to a completely empty house. We were in the load area, but the 160 buggies were still, and there were no attendants. And no music. And it was very, very strange. So our tour was about to officially begin, but before that could happen... We were reminded once again of the most important thing for any cast member to keep in mind, and that's safety. The Doom Buggies operate on what's called an Omnimover system. And if you ever look down, like say you're sitting down in the Doom Buggy, look straight over the front of the Doom Buggy, and you can see the ride that they run on. And you'll notice that it operates basically by being pulled along a thin slot in the car. Remember slot car racing when you were a kid? It's kind of the same principle. And the slot, it's guarded and guided on each side by these thin sheets of plastic. And we were cautioned that as we would cross from one side of the ride path to the other, to step over this area, don't step on that plastic because it wouldn't hold our weight. And we might fall through. And it's a 12-foot drop to the floor below. So we looked around in the load area. And the tour guide's pointing out little details like the bats, uh, the bat wing stanchions, that sort of thing. The portraits that were on the wall, including the Mariner, which has always been a personal favorite of mine. And then we moved on to a room that I had been anticipating maybe more than any other that day. Because it was uh, a, a, a room that you can find precious little information about. It's the very first show scene. And you may have never even noticed it before. Most people are just settling in, getting situated, getting seated, getting their stuff put on the floor or whatever. And the ride has just started for them. They enter a completely, seemingly completely dark room and may not even realize that between the load area and the portrait hall, there is a show scene there. And I've long been really fascinated by this area. You know, I go to the Magic Kingdom most often at night after work. And I find Haunted Mansion is best visited at night. Not only because it's creepier on the outside, but because then your eyes are better adjusted to the gloom inside the mansion. It's dark in there. And even with good night vision, it's really hard to make out some of the details. So this first show scene is perhaps the best example of that. It's obvious that there are paintings on the wall, but I've always wanted to know what paintings, what are they of? And what's up those stairs? And what's on that balcony overhead? Well, with the lights on, I finally got to see it. And on the walls, there are two paintings. One is of an old hag, and she's seated at a a desk. And the other is of a scowling, unhappy-looking couple, and and they're in, like, period dress. Now, this old hag has a name. It's uh, April to December is her name. And originally, the concept was that this would be a changing portrait, and she would change from a beautiful young woman who slowly ages from April to December into the hag that we see now. And uh, 
These portraits, these are just two of the so-called Sinister Eleven portraits that are located, scattered basically, throughout the mansion. Take a, you know, look for them on Google sometime and, and look them up. Their stories are, you know, they make for some fascinating reading. So at the top of the stairs, there's a floating candle opera. And in reality, with the lights on, you can see that it's it's suspended by wires that are on this uh, this crank motor that just slowly makes it kind of bob up and down, weaving in the air. In the dark, it's I mean it's a great effect, and uh, it, it really looks like this candle opera is just floating in the air, held by some unseen hand or something. If you look above you, you'll notice there's cobwebs. How do we make the cobwebs here in the haunted mansion? Very easy. You take a hot glue gun, you put a fan blade on the end of a drill. When it drips, hit the fan, and there it goes. That's how it works. That's how most of it is. I would say about 40% is glue. The other 60%, believe it or not, dust. We do over a thousand guests an hour, so their hair, their skin, all different follicles get trapped on there. From this point of the ride, about every six months, because it's such a high traffic of people in the area, we change it out every six months. As you go into the ride, deeper and deeper and deeper away from the load area, it's about every two as we change it out. A little bit later, we will show you 1971 original cobweather, and we'll give you a bit of a story for that. Here we are in the portrait gallery, and as you go by in your doom buggies, you'll notice they change. How does it work? Behind you is a black light trigger. Behind this scrim. Does everybody know what a scrim is? No? A scrim is a very tightly woven piece of screen, and it's so tightly woven, you can paint on it. They used it in Broadway, Grand Ole Opry, and right here. This is a dual-layered photo. If you guys want to cross over and run your hands along here, all the fiber optic lighting behind it, you can feel each individual one. You guys have any questions? Yeah. The room behind us, the first room, I think there's like nothing about that anywhere. I was curious what was in there, and I w was looking everywhere online. There's like nothing on that room. No, no information? What? That's because for the most part, people aren't even looking at the room. They're busy yeah. settling into their doom buggies, moving their bags around, moving their kids around. So all you need was a few details here and there. It Plus they're like listening to ghost hosts in the background, warning about flash photos, so... It seems like most rooms have a story. Does that one have a story? That's no, it doesn't. It really, it's a show scene, but it does not have an actual show scene. A transitional right. piece. I'll do next time. All right, let's move on. <coughs> Everybody, cross over to this side. We have lots of heat stuff in this room. This is one of my very favorite rooms. Since our haunted mansion came along a couple years after Disneyland, we got to be sort of the director's cut of the ride, with a couple of extra scenes like this one here. A nice little library full of books like ghost writers, and the finest ghost stories. I feel like they're being watched. Yeah, you kind of move from side to side, look what happens. Or if you've got the knees, go up and down. <laughs> Want to know how that's done? Touch it. Go up to the house. 
Now, of course, we're in the library, and we've just been given permission to touch, actually touch, the marble bus. As you pass these ghost riders in your doom buggy, their eyes follow you everywhere, always watching. So how is it done? They're holograms. Each one costs about $15 million a piece. No, I'm just kidding. You could actually do this effect in your own home for Halloween for just a couple of bucks. The bus aren't bus at all. They're concave faces embedded into the wall. Now take uh, an old-fashioned plastic Halloween mask. You know, the, the ones with the, with the rubber band strip across the back to hold it onto your face. Take one of those and turn it around and place it off in some corner of your room. Now, no matter where you go, it seems to turn and and watch you, doesn't it? It's the same effect. A little later in the tour, I got to touch one of these again from the other side of the wall, so stay tuned. So in this next section of audio I'm about to play, you're going to hear a bit of, uh, of creaking and thumping. That's because the books and the latter in the scene continue to move on their own whilst the tour goes on, even though the ride itself isn't running and the audio isn't playing in the scene. Certain ride effects don't ever stop, and this will become more apparent shortly. Ever seen the inside of a Halloween mask? Actually, standing in the library was incredible. And it's a stunning example of the Hollywood technique of forced perspective to, to actually make the room look bigger than it really is. Most of the books in this set are just painted on with a little black velvet lining to give it the illusion of depth. Along with the placement of where the chandelier is and the slanted floor and the odd angles, it creates the illusion of a much larger room. Now, any Disney enthusiast worth his salt has heard of hidden Mickeys, and the Haunted Mansion has them too, but it also has other characters, including, in this very scene, a hidden Donald Duck. Enough guests commented that the original upholstery on the big chair in the room looked kind of like Donald that the Imagineers actually redesigned it so as to make it an official hidden Donald. A common question that the cast members at the Haunted Mansion get is why don't they do the Haunted Mansion Holidays uh, makeover for Christmas? Out in Disneyland, Jack Skellington and the gang from Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas take over the mansion at, at Christmas time every year. So why doesn't Walt Disney World do it too? And the reasons are two. One, Walt Disney World is the most international of all Disney theme parks, and guests come quite literally from all over the face of our planet to visit. And many of them come for a, uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, they've saved up for years, maybe for a lifetime, just for this experience. And one thing that they've made abundantly clear time and time again is that when they arrive, they want the classic experiences. They don't want seasonal overlays. Secondly, and most importantly, the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World is the busiest theme park in the world. With well over 15 million guests every year, to take down the Haunted Mansion and 
put it back up and take it down and put it back up just to change out for these seasonal overlays. That would take the mansion out of commission for three months out of every year. That means millions of people would miss seeing it. According to Chris, our one of our tour guides, you know, to appease the Nightmare Before Christmas fans amongst the Walt Disney World Haunted Mansion cast members, the Imagineers added about seven hidden jacks to the attraction. And the first one is in the library scene. It's in the form of a book called The Nightmare Before Christmas. And you can actually see Jack Skellington's head right on the binding. One of the more unusual things I learned on this tour is that some of the foreign guests in recent years have, uh, for some reason, taken to spitting on things in the attraction. In particular, the curtains between show scenes, and hence this constant reminder from tour guide David. Beware the curtain of spit. I was so engrossed in this library set that I I hung back when the rest of the group moved on, and sadly I missed Chris pointing out just how the shadow of the invisible piano player effect in the next scene is done. I know it has to do with uh, with a projection, but I I wish I had actually gotten to see it. Um, Our group was again challenged, this time to see if anyone read music and could identify the tune being played, and it is, of course, Grim Grinning Ghosts. That tune was written by X Atencio, and X was an artist, an animator, and Imagineer, uh, having worked on many Disney attractions, most notably the Haunted Mansion. He even wrote the script for the ride. But what he'll probably most be remembered for is uh, writing the lyrics to both the theme song to Pirates of the Caribbean, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, but he also wrote the song for The Haunted Mansion. Was creaking the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. It's actually X's voice that you hear whenever the ride stops. Playful spooks have interrupted our tour. Please remain seated in your doom buggy. We will proceed in just a moment. And you actually hear his voice again in one key scene of the attraction that's uh, coming up in just a few minutes. The piano in this scene is a real antique instrument. The other instruments and the music stand were fashioned by uh, Walt Disney World's Central Shops. There is sheet music on the stand uh, also, and it was really neat to be able to stand there in the light and see something that you'd never be able to see from the actual ride vehicles. It's just this this level of, of detail that I love about things there. And, and the sheet music is for, um, it was called Vocal Concert in the Open Air. It's a tune I don't know by name, uh, and I'd really like to hear it. I've been looking for it, trying to find it somewhere because I'd like to see if I, if I recognize the tune. Um, and incidentally, there are hidden Mickeys on that music stand, and many people believe them to be the two uh, very large three-circle images right beneath the stand. Each of those is inside a circle themselves, but those aren't hidden Mickeys. In order to be true hidden Mickeys, the three circles cannot be the same size, because that's just silly. You can't have Mickey's ears the same size as his head. The real hidden Mickeys are in the berries, which have got to be just about impossible to see in the dark from a moving ride vehicle, but they are there. Now, I've always been fascinated by the spaces beyond the show scenes, and this room 
with the the pianist has a uh, a great example of that. I've always wondered what's outside that window because we only catch a glimpse of it. It, it appears to be a foggy moor with these crooked trees and indistinct shapes in the distance. And uh, I, I lingered, uh, perhaps again a bit too long in this scene. And I missed the the first part of uh, of the next bit of trivia from the host, but I was dying for a look out the window into that bog, and uh, and little did I realize I would soon be on the other side of that window. All right, how many of you rode the haunted mansion before two thousand seven? So you know what used to be in the next room up ahead: giant spiders. Well, here at Walt Disney World, we recycle everything. The spiders found a good home. They're now in the Cambodian Temple of the Jungle Cruise. So now let's show you what we replaced it with. We are the only haunted mansion in the world to have this scene. Or rather, the only Disney haunted mansion. You see, this next room is based on a real haunted mansion. The next area, it's often called the Escher Room, which is after M.C. Escher's House of Stairs painting. This is one of the coolest and most visually compelling, uh, fairly recent additions to the Haunted Mansion. It used to be the simplest and, quite frankly, it was kind of the cheesiest transition scene with just a couple of these giant rubber spiders in it. But now it's really something. The the stairs run in every conceivable direction. They completely ignore gravity and physics and logic and all of that. And there are these mysterious glowing footsteps that appear, climb the stairs, and and then just fade away mysteriously, almost like in a puff of smoke. It's easily one of the best rooms in the house. And according to... uh, Chris and David, the Imagineers drew their inspiration for this uh, also from the story of the Winchester Mystery House, which is, this is a detail I didn't know. I'd heard of the Winchester Mystery House, of course. It was this house, uh, it was the home of Sarah Winchester, and she was the widow and and heiress uh, to the fortunes of, uh, of William Wirt Winchester of uh, Winchester Rifles, you know, which was an early repeater and you know, it was called the, the gun that won the West. And Sarah became convinced that she and the house were being haunted by the spirits of every person killed by that weapon. And so she ordered this constant 24-hour-a-day, round-the-clock construction to commence on her home in an effort to keep the guests from ever settling, or, or to appease them, depending on you know, which account you believe. Anyway, this this is really a true story, and the, this constant round-the-clock construction would continue in, on her home for 38 years until the day that she died in 1922. This unceasing labor resulted in perhaps the, the strangest, most haphazard, and sometimes downright dangerous residence ever built. You know, they had stairs that ascended to nowhere and windows that would open on brick walls and doors that opened to a seven-story straight-down plunge. The Winchester Mystery House, it just remains the weirdest haunted house in the world, most likely. And the Walt Disney World version of this, of course, is different than that, but you can see where some of the inspiration was taken. For one... Uh, 
the Walt Disney World version, it, it uses mirrors, which uh, enhance the scene and make it appear to be much larger and deeper uh, a, a physical space than it really is. Also, if you listen closely while you go through this room, you may hear several fans at work, and those are used to uh, both keep the system cool, but also they help make the fires move, the, the little flame. That that effect is achieved by um, by air from the fans. It blows on these thin little pieces of plastic that have light in them, and uh, and they stick out of the tops of the candles so that when the wind blows them, they appear to be a, a real flickering flame. So if we go live, we see very eyes that follow you. How do they work? Very easy. All it is is a wooden box with the eyes cut out, a blinking light, on a gooseneck. The goosenecks aren't mechanical. Why they go back and forth, behind this wall is a fan. Each one's plugged in individually. I do it in my house every year. You use cardboard, each one costs you about $7. So now you guys can have fun on Halloween. Now I'd always wondered about those creepy eyes in the dark, which is another great and fairly recent addition to the Haunted Mansion. And as David said, it's a very simple effect. In fact, it's one of those things that uh, that really struck me about this attraction. I mean, it's a classic. It's been thrilling people for over 40 years now, and, and it's just as scary and fun and, and edgy as it was the, the day that it opened. And so much of it is pulled off with these very, very simple effects that, honestly, any decent carnival or, or county fair... Uh, could pull off and have been pulling off for decades, uh, in some cases for over a century. Uh, an effect that we're going to be talking about shortly uh, was well over 100 years old when the Imagineers uh, adopted it and adapted it for use in the Haunted Mansion. It's this seamless and flawless incorporation of so many different practical effects that I think gives the mansion its charm and its its legendary status. Moving on, uh, we come to uh, the second hidden Donald, another high back chair, and what turned out to be one of the biggest thrills for me personally on this entire tour. But uh, but first, we'll let David tell us about the knight in the suit of armor that stands eternal vigil at the entrance to the endless hallway. Something else that's a bit of a legend, but it's a true legend, is this character here. That is not the original suit. The original suit we will show you much later. Its name is Knight of the Living Dead. The reasoning why is there's a trap door back here, and in our rotation, a cast member would go into the suit and walk up to the buggies. Fortunately for us, they tested it at Disneyland. The reason why I say fortunately, everybody that was in that spot got hurt. People smacking them because they were terrified. How many of you have been in a movie set before? We're standing in one right now. Right where you're standing, sir, is where Eddie Murphy in the Haunted Mansion movie was when they filmed it. About a dozen years ago, around Four o'clock in the morning-ish. Because ours is so much more lavish than Disneyland's, that's why they used ours. Now, I have to admit, this is one piece of trivia on this tour that I found to be a little bit dubious. Not long after this, I re-watched the Haunted Mansion film with Eddie Murphy. Um, 
This film is not good. And I was going to say it gets a bad rap. I think it gets a bad rap deservedly. However, as a Haunted Mansion fan, I appreciate the film on an aesthetic level. It is a beautiful film. And it has a great score. The story, just not very good. Um, anyway, for the life of me, I can't see any scene in that movie that utilizes the real Haunted Mansion. And certainly not the Endless Hallway. Um, I can't help but wonder about the veracity of these statements. I, I don't know what these guys were talking about. I don't know if they were talking about a deleted scene. I don't know if they were talking about research being done for the film. Maybe Murphy just wanted to tour the mansion to kind of get into the spirit of the thing. I just don't know. If somebody else out there knows differently and can, can clear this up for me, I, I'd love to hear from you. But then David asked a question that... uh I imagine that we've all had at one time or another. How endless is the endless hallway? Go find out. Watch it out. Run your hands along the wallpaper. It's amazing. It's textured. All of the doors in the endless hallway are not real doors. Except for this one right here. This door used to be open, but it's locked now. By the way, the, the door handles in the endless hallway and on many of the doors in the uh, the corridor of doors, they're snakes. And uh, I, I think that's just a another uh, testament to the level of detail that the Imagineers put into these things. You know, m many of these details will never see we'll never notice them you'd, you'd have to get out of your ride vehicle and and walk up to them like i got a chance to to, to really see them and appreciate them but i love that i i love that you know they they don't care if you'll really be able to to see the level of detail and not they put it in there anyway i just that amazes me i love that and man what what a thrill to actually stand in and then get to walk down the endless hallway i got to walk all the way down it as, as far as you can walk down it and then to turn back and, and look down the hall the other way and, and look back at the ride vehicles as if you're a spirit in that hallway it, it was just so surreal it's just an incredible incredible experience that that i'm i'm just so thankful that i got to do the next scene is the uh, the conservatory and it's a great showpiece. You know, it's got these creepy, dying, wilted flowers and this decaying wreath, and there's a coffin that's just front and center in the room. And remember earlier when I said that we'd be hearing from Exitensio again? Well, here he is. This scene, according to Chris, the tour guide, recreates what it was like in northern states when a family member would pass away and it was the winter and the ground was far too cold and solid to bury them. Back in olden times, you'd put them in the coldest room in the house and surround them with flowers to ward off the stench and wait for the spring thaw. Overlooking this scene is uh, what was originally planned to be uh, the mascot for the Haunted Mansion, a, a second co-host, as it were. This is the raven um, named Lucifer by the cast members. 
this raven can be observed in several show scenes throughout the Haunted Mansion. And again, he was supposed to be in many more. Originally, he was to have a much bigger part and actually a speaking role voiced by Mel Blanc, the, uh, the voice of Bucks Bunny, or if you need a Disney connection, he was also or is also the voice of Cousin Orville over in the Carousel of Progress. No privacy at all around this place. Sorry, Orville. We were encouraged to uh, to pat Lucifer, and I did, uh, just like the cast members uh, at the Haunted Mansion do every day for good luck and, according to them, to keep the ride vehicle from breaking down. According to what they said on the tour, if they fail to pat Lucifer, the ride breaks down. One time they forgot to pat Lucifer and the ride went down for like eight hours. So, pretty cool. We were also invited, if we dare, to peek into the coffin and observe with our own eyes what lies within. This one, folks, I'm going to keep to myself. I mean, I have to maintain some of the mystery for you, right? But I'll put it to you this way. Whatever you'd expect you'd see is likely exactly what you'd see. You may or may not have noticed in the background of the clips I've played so far that there's this this clacking sound. That's because the next scene that we're about to enter is the corridor of doors. And some of the doors have these heavy brass knockers knocking, or the knobs are rattling, or knuckles are rapping on them from the other side. And it creates this, this ghostly cacophony that never stops. It was the one constant sound that we could hear almost everywhere throughout the Haunted Mansion on the tour that day. Unfortunately for us doing the tour, and when we do evacuations, it's not part of the ride system. 24 hours a day, those knockers go off. Never, ever, ever stop. Here in the corridor doors, this show scene is inspired by a movie called Haunting. 20 to a picture of him that hangs amongst the uh, many very disturbing portraits found in this corridor. The Hatbox Ghost is uh, something of a controversial figure, as I'm led to understand, uh, amongst Haunted Mansion uh, enthusiasts, uh, because apparently there's been this debate for years about whether he had ever really existed or not. Uh, I, I never really followed this, and I won't profess to understand it, although I have heard that... Uh, that he may be a central figure in the uh, Guillermo del Toro, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Haunted Mansion movie, if that ever really does happen. He was also uh, in my book and record set I had from when I was a kid, the one that I talked about earlier, so I knew him from that. Also, David mentioned the movie The Haunting. I- I'd only ever heard of this movie, I'd never actually seen it, so after the tour I had to check it out. 
turns out that this film, it's from 1963, it was directed by none other than Robert Wise, who directed The Sound of Music, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and uh, one of my personal favorite movies, Star Trek The Motion Picture. So uh, I watched and, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and wow, is it ever obvious that they drew a ton of inspiration for The Haunted Mansion from this movie. I mean, holy cow. I hesitate to say that uh, that they stole, but uh, you know, there's no mistaking where the the look for much of the haunted mansion uh, was taken directly from. Um, here's a little clip of uh, of Imagineer Tony Baxter talking a bit more about the haunting as it relates to the corridor of doors. Okay, Claude Coates was one of the designers that was most responsible, I think, for the whole first half of the attraction. And the movie that guided a lot of the things that you see in this sequence was called The Haunting. Now, The Haunting was recently remade by a movie that I think uh, was nowhere near as effective as the original black and white that starred Claire Bloom and, uh, oh, I can't think of the other actress. Uh, uh, oh, I can't think of her name. I I'll forget. I remember it. But in the movie, they were trapped in a very psychologically possessed house. And one of the amazing things in it was how the doors throbbed and pulsed with a horrible sound. Uh, for the day in the 1960s, it was amazing that that could come over your television set. I remember seeing it at home and being scared to death uh, by this movie. Unfortunately, what we're hearing here is too, uh, what would I say, there's too much impact in it. It's clack, clack, clack in the house here, whereas in the haunting it was... And someday I would love to come in here and deaden this practical sound and go with a... Which would give you a far more ghostly effect. But it was based on the film The Haunting. Tour guide Chris pointed out that the uh, the portrait of the man with the hatchet in his hand and the noose around his neck and this just deranged expression on his face is the ghost host who accompanies us throughout the ride. Now, according to DoomBuggies.com, an excellent uh, Haunted Mansion website that I highly recommend, uh, this is merely conjecture. Well, one way or the other, it's a great piece, and, uh, and it's fun to speculate on these kind of things, uh, which is another one of the mansion's charms. I like that the story isn't simply just all laid out for you. It's open to your interpretation. The ghost host, uh, by the way, as I mentioned briefly before, is voiced by veteran voice actor uh, extraordinaire Paul Fries, and he was probably best known as the voice of Boris Badenov in those old Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. Fries was a man of a thousand voices, and he did many, many memorable characters, including Disney's own uh, Ludwig von Drake, uh, the Burgermeister Meisterburger from, uh, oh, it was one of the Rankin and Bass films, I forget which one, and uh, and Two True Freaks listeners, particularly uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday listeners, uh, may uh, recognize Freeze as the voice of the narrator for Hardware, Hardware Wars. Wars. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll kiss three bucks goodbye. Coming soon to a theater near you. Get in line now. May the forest be with you. So we moved along the corridor of doors and we came to uh, another one of my favorites, the uh, the ticking grandfather clock that's always striking 13. 
And there's this great effect there where this death's hand shadow falls across the face of the clock. The effect itself is remarkably simple. If you're in the in the right hand seat of your of your doom buggy, if you turn around, if you basically crane your neck around to the right, and I I don't know that I actually recommend doing this, but if you really want to know how it's done, you can actually this is an effect you can actually see how it's done while you're in the ride. So if you crane your neck around to the right, you can actually see up on the wall there's this tiny little wheel with these teeny tiny four little identical death hand silhouettes and it slowly rotates in front of a spotlight and it casts this shadow 24 hours a day Uh, according to tour guide david he said that in the 40 plus year history of the haunted mansion that he's only heard of it ever breaking down twice so that's that's pretty impressive and uh and i imagine you know pretty much uh this effect is probably the same way that the uh, the invisible piano player's uh, shadow effect is done. Again, if I ever, ever get the chance to do something like this again, I, I'm going to investigate. I, that's an effect I, I regret that I missed seeing how it was done. Uh, so from here, we enter the seance room. This is the domain of Madame Leota and uh, home to one of the most advanced and amazing effects in, uh, in all of Walt Disney World, in my opinion. First, though, once again, uh, a word of warning. You should never, ever even think about getting out of your ride vehicle at any time, on any attraction. But most especially, don't ever do it here. There's actually no floor between the vehicle ride path and that seance table. Instead, there's something like a 15-foot drop waiting for you if you were, you know, if you ever did it. Actually, now there's, uh, there is a wire net that's been installed uh, just, for, uh, just in case of foolish mortals uh, attempting such a thing. In fact, if you, uh, if you have particularly good night vision and, uh, and eagle eyes, you just might be able to spy an indent in that wire mesh. It's on the left side of the seance table if you were looking directly on it from, say, the halfway point through the room, you know, looking dead on at Madame Leota. Look at that table, then look just to the left of it. If, if you can actually see the wire mesh, you, you may see this, this indent in it. And, uh, and that comes from just such a stunt. There is a price on Madame Leota's head. Half a million dollars for whoever can get her out of the Magic Kingdom and into the hands of somebody on eBay or Craig who's trying to get a hold of her technology. Take a look down there. The grating that's there, you see it's bent. We're told that somebody jumped out and... Madame Leota, who is the uh, the disembodied head and a crystal ball, she in reality she's actually played by two women. The face you see is uh, is Imagineer Leota Tombs, and I always thought Tombs was a very uh, appropriate name. Uh, in regards to the Haunted Mansion. Madame Leota, of course, is named for her. But she's voiced by uh, actress Eleanor Audley. And if she sounds familiar at all to you, it may be because she uh, she also voiced a couple of classic Disney characters. She was the villain uh, Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. And uh, she was also the evil stepmother, Lady Tremaine, in Cinderella. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween. 
Awaken the spirits with your tambourine. This effect for Madame Leota has nearly always been done by projecting the, the moving image of Leota Toombs' face onto a, a, a static head in the glass. But recently, uh, it was given a, a new twist when new computer and new advanced projection technologies actually allowed the Imagineers to rear-project a, a reversed image from inside her head. And, uh, and that freed her up to where she now can, can float about and she hovers over the seance table. And she rises and falls and bobs in the air. And, uh, you know, the, the image is just sharp and crisp. And it's an amazing effect that, uh, frankly, it confounds even the most uh, technically savvy riders. It wasn't, when I, when I learned this, it wasn't the way that I thought that the effect was being done. I thought that they were actually somehow using some sort of like laser guidance system or something to track the movement of the, of the, of the ball in the face to project that image on there. And, uh, and it's actually projected from inside, but still it's, it's flawless, absolutely amazing effect. And of course, uh, Lucifer, the Raven that uh, we met earlier in the ride, he, he appears again in this scene. We were only in this room briefly before moving on, uh, once again. And, uh, and it was as we started to file out of this room and, and into the next section that uh, I, I got the worst butterflies I had on the whole tour because then I realized just exactly where we were headed, and that is uh, the the ballroom scene. This is easily the the best part of the haunted mansion, and it's nearly everybody's favorite scene. But sadly, you know, you, you never really get a, a good or, or long enough look at it. It goes by so quickly when you're on the ride. And there's so much to take in that, that you just simply never get a, a really good, long, lingering look at it. But now, you know, we were on foot and we were finally, finally going to get a, a real solid look at this thing. Or so I thought. The effect is called the Pepper Ghost effect. The film that you see in front of you is 97% reflective. <laughs> also, there's a glass that's across the way at a pitch that angles it, and that's why you see the image that's below you on the glass. Now, we're not going to spend much time here because uh, we're going to take a closer look a little bit later. Sweet. So let's continue on. Question. Answer. Why yes. put that picture in a place where you can't see it? Oh, it's, it. well, it's there. You just never notice. I mean, I, on the ride, I can see it, but I mean, not make out like what it actually is. I, it, oh, it just seems it's like it's too dark. It's the reason they, in old Victorian houses, they decorated with different family portraits, uh, kind of favorite places. Yeah, that was me asking a question. Uh, the picture I was referring to is, again, one of the Sinister Eleven. And it's one that's been bugging me for a long time. As you exit the, the ballroom scene and head to the attic scene, you can just make out this picture frame. It, it hangs on the wall to the left of the last pane of glass uh, that looks down into the ballroom. And, uh, and you can see the frame, but I've never been able to actually make out the picture. Well, if you research the Sinister Eleven, this picture 
is the one of this uh, of this wispy haired blonde woman, and she's holding a black cat. And uh, and it's been rumored that this was some sort of uh, of concept art for what eventually became the uh, the bride character whom uh, we're about to meet. For the most part of the haunted mansion, we try not to stick to any one specific backstory. We like to let the guests use their imaginations and make up whatever stories they want about the ghosts. This room in 2007 is where we decided to make the one big exception. This room tells a very particular ghost story. <laughs> This is the tale of Constance Hatchway, the Constant Bride. Now, back in the times when family members passed away, the lady of the family, the heir, is, did not get any of the riches. It always went to the male. So Constance figured she was going to do it through marriage. If you take a look at her first suitor, in 1869, Ambrose, Ambrose Harper. he was not a very rich man, but he had to have some type of a dowry, take a look around, not too shabby, but not uh, riches. You'll notice each one of her marriages, she gets a string of pearls. Each marriage scene has the marriage license. You take a look over here. You'll see what happened to him. Very, very, very important, important wedding guest here. Take a look down there. Everybody wave, oh. Sally. He's talking about Sally from the Nightmare Before Christmas. There's a little stuffed doll of her right there. As well, when she was finished with each marriage, there's a birdcage with the open door, meaning packed her bags and she identical chairs in the Walt Disney World property. We're still in the process of hunting down the rest. 
finally, over here in 1877, Constance Hatchway Harper Dubois Von Doom Crane hits the jackpot with husband number five, Hotel Tycoon George Hightower. You notice if you take a look at the place settings down there, I know this because I've eaten there once. Grand Floridian. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you gasping there at the name Hightower. What's that? The question was, wasn't that the name of the founder of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, better known as the uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, over at Disney's Hollywood Studios? His cousin. His cousin. Take a look over there. There's the marriage certificate. Because she felt it was enough. She buried her hatchet. Poor fellow didn't make it past the wedding night. The bride, take a look at her, see how she works. If you look up there, there's your projector. The projector's behind her. It's right here. Oh, for those who can't see it. The actress portrayed as the bride, her name is Julia Lee. Most yeah. of you, if you've ever watched Charmed, she was, she was the, the aunt. The voice of the bride is Kat Cressida. If anybody's ever watched Dexter's Laboratory, Stevie. Oh, oh, that they've seen. Yeah. So because... Each of the unlucky husbands was portrayed by a Walt Disney Imagineer. Sorry, I don't have the names for you. Constance was very satisfied with her last wedding. She packed her bags. And if you take a look there, with a three-story birdcage... More than made up for the last husband. She flew the coop. So if you guys cross over here, let's show you some more goodies. Take a look on that bottom shelf. There's a Jack Snow Globe. Uh -huh. Got stuff over here you can see much better. As well, when we leave the attic, there's Jack himself waving at you in the basket. A plush Jack to go with a plush Sally. It's right there in the basket. Yeah. You guys want to cross over once you've seen it and give everybody a chance to take a look? Snow globes on the bottom shelf down there as you walk by. And then, you have to see it off. Some of you cross over this way too. Now, personally, I've always found the. Uh, that the faceless or, or black-faced bride, uh, you know, the one that had the flowing veil and the, and the beating heart, to be much creepier than, uh, than the current version. But that's not to say that the, the new one isn't very scary, too, but she's scarier in a, in a different way. She's scarier in a, in a psychopathic, homicidal kind of way, whereas the other one was scary in a, in a supernatural, spectral kind of way. But this this new one is great, and uh, and she is frightening in her own way, especially when she literally throws us out of the mansion and we fall from the attic window to our deaths, perhaps you know, according to the tour guides, and into the uh, the rollicking finale of the haunted mansion, which is the graveyard scene. And here we were in the graveyard with the lights on, with the lights on, and it was just so cool. You know, so you you enter the cemetery, and uh, you know the first thing that you see see is the uh, the groundskeeper and his dog, and uh, and we were actually allowed, actually encouraged, 
to touch the groundskeeper, to touch his hand and his face, to feel what the texture of his skin felt like, which was incredibly lifelike, something I wasn't expecting. I always expected these things would feel kind of like a like a wax figure or something, but no, he, he feels like a real person, which was just that much creepier. We were also encouraged to pet his dog, which I did. Um, but the, uh, the groundskeeper was just... Just amazing, so lifelike, and his eyes were eerie because they're actual glass eyes, just the exact kind of eyes that you would get if you were to lose an eye and need a glass eye, these are what you would get. So very, uh, very eerie to, to stand there and, and, and look at him and, and be able to touch him when he looks like he could literally come right to life and, and speak to you. Um, now, what was funny was that the uh, the music and the voices and, of course, the uh, the ride vehicles were not running. But most everything else was running, including the figures themselves. And uh, even though they were silent, that included those pop-up ghosts. That was funny. This graveyard is home to the largest spring in all of the world. Gives it that foggy nighttime appearance, allows for constant projections, and also covers up the mechanics of our now fully materialized audio animatronic coats. The reason they all look like they're wearing raincoats is because they are. Because we want them to look like transparent ghosts. We're also high mechanics, plus being coated in translucent paint that under black-like conditions gives that ghostly glow. As Chris said, nearly everything is behind a, uh, a huge scrim, and the figures themselves are, are just bizarre-looking. They look like they're like they're sculpted out of Coke bottle glass or something, and they're they're translucent, and they all... Uh, have these raincoats on, or what look to be raincoats, and they're eerie, you know, even with the lights on, uh, just so freakish. And uh, it, it struck me, too, that with the lights on, the, the room doesn't seem to be nearly as massive as it is, or, or that it appears to be with the lights off. It, not that it's a small space by any by any means, it's uh, it, it's still a very large space, but with the lights on, it, it, it just it, it kind of pulled that space together that much more, almost gave it a, a claustrophobic feeling, despite how large it is, because there's so much stuff in that room, just detail, detail, detail. And again, so much of it that the average guest is just, frankly, they're just never going to see it. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I continue to be wowed by that. But I think that that's what I feel makes the Disney difference between our, our parks and, and other parks. And it's the reason why we have the most popular theme parks in the world. It's, it's the level of, of detail. It's the attention. It's the story. It's those little touches, those little elements that just make it feel real. Even when you're talking about something as fanciful as, as a haunted mansion, it's just that, that extra something. Our singing must really sound good, don't they? Well, that's because they actually are studio musicians. They are back. They were backup vocalists that worked freelance in the 50s and 60s. Not, not only were they good friends of Walt, who got to perform out in Main Street, 
but they were also the backup vocalists for the likes of Rosemary Flutie, Doris Day, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and a minor country singer named Elvis. Dude, the fellow second from the left, his name's Thurl Ravenscroft, a genuine Disney legend. He was also um, the voice of Fritz from the Enchanted Tiki Room, as well as assorted other Disney attractions. He was a good friend of Walt's as well. He was also the singer outside of Disney of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, every Christmas, on the Grinch Stole Christmas. But his most celebrated role ever can be summed up in two words. There, great! One of those details I was just talking about has uh, long been one of my personal favorites is uh, is the hidden Mickey formed in the raised left hand of the spectral apparition that's standing in the crypt door on the right hand side of the graveyard shortly before you exit that scene. Now, according to the tour guides, this is the very first hidden Mickey ever. Now, I'm thinking surely they meant this is the first Walt Disney World hidden Mickey. At least I would think so, but that's not what they said. They said it was the very first hidden Mickey ever. So, uh, take that as you will. Ah, there you are. And just in time. There's a little matter I forgot to mention. Beware of hitchhiking ghosts. <laughs> For most of the mansion's uh, 41 years, there was a second set of Doom Buggies, complete with uh, audio-animatronic ghost figures, and they were hidden on the other side of the mirrors, or what were supposed to be mirrors, to create the uh, the effect of a hitchhiking ghost tagging along with you uh, as you approach the exit. And recently, these extra buggies and the, and the ghost figures and everything, they were actually removed... Uh, in favor of uh, an amazing new uh, virtual and uh, and interactive characters that now they they play with you and they prank you, you know, doing such things as as stealing your head or blowing your head up like a balloon or even swapping your head with their own or with another rider's, and this is all accomplished by an elaborate camera system that actually scans each buggy and it, and it determines the number of occupants. And it captures a, a, a good, clean, and usable image of each rider's face uh, for the ghost to to mess with. And the ghosts themselves are now uh, digital projections right onto the glass. And, uh, you know, I wasn't too sure about this when I first heard about it. But uh, seeing it and, and experiencing myself, I, I think it's just it's impressive tech. It's, it's just amazing. I'll probably always miss at least a little bit the the simple practical nature of, of the original effect you know that there was actually this this dummy set of buggies on the other side of the glass you know with with the with a physical animatronic figure but the new one really blows that away just as far as pure wow factor that that the the new figures are so fluid and and interactive i, I really like that i think that's very very cool and we were told by the uh, the tour guides that if you ever get a chance to skip a buggy when you're loading and see what kind of antics the ghosts perform when uh, when they only have an empty buggy to play with. Take note of which hitchhiking ghost you see when you ride later. If you get um, Gus the Prisoner, you're going to have a great day. Gus is very good luck, we've noticed. If it's Ezra the Skeleton, the skeleton 
ER. Go home immediately. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Phineas the, the Traveler, well, he's a bit of a prankster, so funny stuff might happen to you throughout the day. Yeah, when we ride through, we use it like a fortune telling device. It's a lot of fun. On the way out, we pass through the crypt area, and we're invited to hurry back by little Leota. She's played again, of course, by Leota Toombs, but this time the voice that you hear is really hers as well as her face. This brings the first part of our tour to an end. I'll go get our IDs, and when I come back, we'll get into the real guts of the mansion. So, as Chris is racking back, pick my brain, ask me questions. You've heard any legends or lores, anything? Ask me, I'll clear it up. Yes? Is it true that people have brought like, ashes of like, real dead people? Why does everybody ask that? <laughs> yeah, everybody asks that because it's true. People like to dump the human ashes in the haunted mansion. People, people love this place. Yeah, because here's the funny thing. Um, we use blacklight. Blacklight uh, makes human ashes really very, very glow and dark. We see them. They shut the ride down. They come with these vacuums and vacuum you up and you end up in the landfill. <laughs> so now you know not to say, hey, when I die, cremate me and put me in the haunted mansion because you'll just end up in the landfill. Any other questions? Yep. Oh. Yes, sir. At the end of the loop with the the seesaw, the lady drinking tea. Uh-huh. She says something that I've never understood. What she, it sounds like she goes, Oh, no, Oh, yes, they do. Or, but, well, that's what she said before it was seven. Now it's just, now it's scream. Oh, sugar. Yeah. Sandra? Any other questions? Brittany? Question that I get asked working here day in and day out because I'm only here now. I must walk a lot. Garrett, we're always on here. I used to wear a pedometer. I don't anymore because I was depressed over it. Uh, <laughs> we do an average uh, between six to eight miles on an eight-hour shift. I worked. Uh, I walked 19 miles one time. I was on a 16-hour shift. It's the uh, same as a treadmill. It's on a 2.5. How is it to work here in the uh, I've been here six years. Uh, come Very back warm. I'll still be here. <laughs> Very warm, especially in the summer. Yeah, I'm wearing a wool suit. <laughs> we do. Oh, hey, how do you see here? Yeah, do, but we have a lot of positions outside. And we have to wear our best. We have our Sunday best. I'm a realist, so I don't take my coat off ever. If you see me with my coat off, call me out of Any other questions? Sure. Is this one of the rare attractions where customers do not have to smile on stage? Okay, here's the misconception of that. They ask us inside to be in character, mm-hmm. but outside, we're urged to smile. To be as polite and friendly and welcoming as but if possible. you, like some of us, Know how to smile without smiling because I, I don't smile ever, but I I joke with people and I'm very good at reading people. If you ever come here asking questions and wrong, I'm like, I always say stupid, so it's not Any other questions, or do you guys want to go deeper? 
One last quick question. Sure. What what kind of um, I guess for lack of a better term, emotional toll would it does it take? I mean, do, do you get depressed? I mean, it's kind of a gloomy environment. Me personally, it, it varies with a person. Some it gets to, others it doesn't. It's you learn how to smile and laugh on the inside a lot. Me personally, uh, I started working real haunted houses when I was 14 years old. So <laughs> this is not <nothing> him. <laughs> I work pretty much within this area. Every major haunted house that's been here ever, except for very much. Okay, you guys want to go deeper? So from here, we were actually outside, and we took such a a, a winding roundabout route that uh, that I actually got disoriented and completely lost my bearings, which I kind of suspect might have been the point. Um, I do know that we went through uh, the construction area where uh, old fa- the old Fantasyland Skyway platform uh, used to stand before it was recently demolished, and uh, and it's making way for uh, a new bathroom complex that, uh, from what I saw in a, in a recent trip to the Magic Kingdom, it, it appears to be coming on uh, pretty pretty nicely. And uh, according to uh, tour guide Chris, uh, that should be open um, in time for Christmas next year. Also, the walkway from Fantasyland into Liberty Square, it's now going to become a, a two-lane walkway. It's going to run on both sides of the Yankee Trader. So we re-entered the Haunted Mansion on its first floor, and uh, at first it was, uh, well, frankly, it was pretty underwhelming. It, it looked a lot like somebody's uh, a garage or like a, like a basement workshop. Just a lot of wood and, and metal and pipes and, and nothing that uh, if you saw a picture of it, nothing to, to tell you this is the Haunted Mansion. Nothing that screamed theme park or anything. It, it just was uh, just your average uh, seller. This next section, according to David, was uh, a portion of the tour that the, the guides uh, had really had to fight to convince the the powers that be to let them continue to show and include in the tour. And we were cautioned not to touch anything uh, without their express permission. So soon, you know, recognizable elements began to pop up and, uh, and it was becoming apparent that we were, uh, we were actually underneath the ride path itself. And we could look up and see the, uh, the slot car like system used to, to guide the doom buggies throughout the entire attraction and we went behind several show scenes. You know, we went behind the graveyard and behind the endless hallway where uh, where the one true door in the hallway was pointed out to us. And we went behind you know, my favorite. We went out on the bog, so to speak, on the other side of the window from the piano player. And uh, and here we learned that the clouds are actually you know the clouds in that scene outside the window they're actually moving in the opposite direction from the way that the trees are are bent uh over like they're being blown by the wind this is a little oversight by the imagineers that uh that's frankly just never been corrected and uh and it was neat to see the 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 hollywood filmmaking roots of disney shining through in this part because the trees they're not planted at all. They're actually standing on uh, on simple wooden crosses for balance. If you think of uh, of 
the Charlie Brown Christmas tree in uh, in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and, and the little wooden base that it stands on, exactly the same thing. You know that that's that's the that's the picture for you. So after a brief stop by uh, by one of the little workshops down there, where we actually got to see a woman uh, who was hard at work repairing some owls, we uh, proceeded on to the uh, the hands down. Best part of the entire tour for me. Prepare to have your mind blown. As we went up the steps, I suddenly realized exactly where we were. On my right, the black hearse that's backed up into the ballroom entrance. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we were going to go inside. Kind of embarrassed that we were cast member last year when he tried to call it in. <laughs> <laughs> so half of you come over here, half of you, Chris. Right here, you're looking at 1971 webbing. It's never been changed. If you guys want to touch it, by all means, be careful. They'll never be changed out. There's a reasoning for that. The fellow that created the formula, when he passed away, he took the uh, formula with him. We have no idea how to make it. They're not real stairs. <laughs> These are antiques. Yeah, English iron stone dated in the 16th century. But if you take a look on the back of them, dishwasher proof. Okay, maybe now we can see the green one. Okay, protective coating over it to preserve it so it doesn't yellow. Some of these are missing because right now they're being digitally scanned. Soon you're going to be able to buy these off of that and they're going to stick to the bottom. He's ever been moved around, you'll notice on the dinner plate, with a Polaroid. It has the actual place set. Speaking of moving the plates around, who's the smart one that likes to change the Mickey then? Us. Oh, it's like we came before, and it's like we know it's there. They but. change them around. They put it back. We change them around. They put it back, and they sanction it because guess we're noticing it. I don't have the words to uh, to describe what it was like to stand in the ballroom at the haunted mansion. Uh, I, I just don't. It's. It was an amazing experience. It's something I'll remember to my dying day. It's something I feel so incredibly uh, blessed and privileged to have gotten to do. Um, my understanding is that shortly after this tour, tour guides uh, that uh, that they're not allowed to to do that portion of the tour anymore, which is which is really sad if that's really true. But just to have stood there, to, to have been able to be in that space, it was just absolutely amazing. Something I, I, I'm always going to remember, something I'm always going to cherish. I, I felt like I was just, I was giddy as a schoolgirl. I felt like a little kid again. I mean, here was, uh, 
here was every every wish of of my small childhood self of wanting to be in the haunted mansion not only you know was i it wasn't just simply riding it anymore i was actually in the haunted mansion standing there right in the dinner scene it, it was just wow what what a thrill what an experience um just just something i i i, I can't I, I just can't express it uh I don't have words. It was absolutely amazing. Something I uh, that I noticed that happened a couple of times during the tour was uh, the tour guides repeating themselves, or, or more accurately, uh, you know, so, they would repeat something that the other one had uh, had said earlier. And I guess that's bound to happen when you do the same spiel enough times that maybe you're not even listening to yourself, or you're not listening to the other guide anymore. But it did happen a few times, and I, I kind of got a kick out of it. And so, tour guide Chris uh, repeated the story about some guests trying to uh, inter the ashes of, of dear departed loved ones inside the mansion and how they deal with that. And as he was relating this, I busied myself exploring every nook and cranny uh, of that ballroom. I was careful not to touch anything. But I was uh, I was absolutely intent on soaking in all of it, just just absorbing the experience for uh, for all time. And uh, wow, just just simply, I, I was just awed, and and just in such a state of of shock and disbelief about where I I was actually standing, and. Uh, so while this was going on, you know, uh, uh, David, the other tour guide, uh, he, he called me over and uh, and told me that you know the story that uh, that Chris is about to relate was something that uh, that I didn't want to miss. There was one time, though, in 2002, when a family actually wrote ahead asking for permission to bury a loved one here. It was a lady who was died of cancer. Her and her family had come to the for years and years and years. Her favorite character was Donald Duck. We, of course, told them, no, you can't bury Ms. Christine Rose here. Well, they wrote us back asking, well, can we leave something of her here at the mansion? This was her favorite attraction. And that way, whenever we come back, we can feel like, you know, she's with us in spirit. Well, we agreed. Under one of the dinner plates was a Polaroid photograph of this woman. If you turn it over, you read it, there's an inscription. Here, I'll come over here. This for anyone who's right not on. familiar with the story who comes across it. You guys, somebody wants to read that out loud? It's pretty, uh, pretty touching. This is a picture of our mom, Steve. Looking forward to being here with us on vacation. Mother, she died of cancer on July 8, 2002. She made us promise to still go to Disney World no matter what happened to her. We want our mommy to always be with us when we visit Disney World, so we decided to place her picture in our favorite attraction, the Haunted Mansion. If you got this picture, please place it under one of the plates in the dining room. Thank you. Signed Shannon, Shane, Todd, Chad. Kristen, yeah, ta-ta. At the Haunted Mansion, we have people that come here all the time, over and over and over again. I've developed a lot of friends that are guests to the Haunted Mansion here 
The guys pointed out uh, several fun facts about the items and the furnishing in the room, and uh, including a very real stereoscope, which was the, the forerunner of the, the Viewmaster. And the irony is that uh, GAF, who were the makers of the toy back in the 70s, uh, they, they were once a sponsor company for Walt Disney World. Now, of particular interest to me was the organ. It's not real. Uh, but it is an exact replica facade of the one in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. That one is the organ that was actually used by James Mason when he was playing Captain Nemo in the Disney classic film 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, you may be wondering at this point about the ghost. Why haven't I talked about the ghost? Well, when you're, when you're really and truly standing in the ballroom, um, how do I put this? <laughs> There's no ghosts in there. Well, they're, they're not in there with you anyway. When you're in there, you can really see plainly how exactly the Pepper's ghost effect works. Every ghost is in front of you. They're behind glass, and they're wearing these, uh, these brightly colored, almost gaudy, uh, highly reflective clothes. It, it, they have a um, almost a neon uh, uh, sheen to them. And... They're in very exact positions so that when they're viewed from above in, in, in the guest proper places on the ride, they appear to be in the spaces that we were currently occupying. And, you know, what I wouldn't give for a picture of that, you know, a, a picture from that guest perspective of us in that ballroom actually hobnobbing with the spirits. Oh, that, would, that, would have been, that would have been really something. So they, Chris told you that these are sweetheart chairs. I'm kind of sentimental, so I'm kind of excited this is going to happen. I, I want to kind of go in on the tours and guests. Um, one of our tour leaders, unfortunately, you and I don't work on the weekends. Is going to take a small tour down here, and uh, the guy asked permission to go down on one knee and promote Aww. pose here. Right in the sweetheart chair. Very touching to me. I like that. I love See, that idea. We love the Haunted Mansion. Whatever we can do for people, we'll do it. We love it here. We host a lot of wedding receptions and wedding photos out front. We do. We do. Get to sit in the hearse and all. <laughs> so, so. No, I mean, go. You guys want to go deeper? Yes. All right. Follow Chris. I didn't want to say anything because this was the tour. Things do get mixed up. Yeah, here, Chris, right? This one's the replica. The replica, the one in Disneyland. It's the uh, one from 20,000 Leagues. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. It was here in um, property control for a while. It was, yeah. yeah, it was there for a while. Maybe curious to note that uh, you could see all of the ghosts that are in the scene. I believe, except the only ones that I, I couldn't see, I don't believe you, you could see from our vantage point, were the ghosts that come out of the paintings, the two duelists that come out of the paintings and shoot at one another and then fade away. They, for, for proper perspective, they were so far back um, in that behind glass area that we actually couldn't see them. I, I actually asked the tour guides about them and, and they explained, you know, where they were in, in relation to where we were standing. I thought that that was very neat. So from here, we, we exited the ballroom proper via this little walkway that's, uh, that's to the left of the organ. 
and it goes around the glass to the area where the actual ghosts are. David pointing out the organist and the spirits that rise out of the pipes as he plays. Now they're on a on a spoke system, almost like a like a bicycle wheel, and uh, and many of the spokes uh, on which these spirits reside, they didn't actually have spirits on them that day because a lot of them were out being cleaned. Um, we got a really good and close up look at the at the dining table ghost too, and, and that included the uh, the patriarch and who's at one side of the table. And the birthday girl that uh, that magically you know appears and blows out the candle and then disappears. Attention, all attention. The vehicles in this attraction are about to be activated. Please stand clear of all vehicles that they may be moving at any time. There's our identical twin brother. Caesar's at the head of the table. It's his sister. Amazing what a difference a wig and a dress makes, huh? If you guys take a look at the lady up there blowing out the candles, if you take a look at her face, she's at another ride that's very close. Pirates of the Caribbean. Where? Oh, she's in the jail. Yep, she's the one whistling to the dog trying to get the keys. Well, these, these are Blaine Gibson skulls, right? Is that yeah, right? they are. You look over there, the grandma of the rocking chair. She's the same grandma you see in the Carousel of Progress. <laughs> You guys noticed that uh, most of the ghosts don't have uh, shoes on? Yeah, I told Did you? Well, uh, if you didn't hear over here, they yeah. say most people die in their sleep. So they don't have shoes, except for the guy under the table. He was drunk. From here, we, uh, we briefly stopped by the audio room to see how the, the mainframe worked. And, and then we went out onto the courtyard, where I'm pretty sure... <laughs> that they actually flubbed a bit of trivia. The hearse that sits out in front of the mansion is an actual movie prop. It was used in the 1965 John Wayne film, The Sons of Katie Elder. In fact, it's what transports uh, Katie Elder to her final reward. But in my recording, Chris claims it was a different movie. And unfortunately, due to the, the poor quality in, in that moment of the recording, I can't quite make out the film that he says. It sounds like he says Wagons West, but I can't find a listing anywhere for a John Wayne film of that title. By now, our time was growing short, and the mansion, as, as you may have heard, uh, was starting to power up for the day, and soon guests would be streaming into the park and, of course, lining up to visit this attraction. So we ventured into the, uh, the new interactive queue area for a few minutes and, uh, and hearing uh, how the bus in the beginning, how they, they tell a story, a, a murder mystery specifically, that you are challenged to solve if you can. I really like this area. I, I think it's cute. Um, but I also, I think I get why a lot of the purists don't seem to dig on it. Um, it doesn't bother me, though. I, I like that the Mariner, who's, uh, whose picture w was in the load area inside the mansion, that he finally gets uh, fleshed out a little bit more. He gets a little bit more of a story. Uh, that interactive element I really like. I, I'm a big fan of, of water play interactive elements in, in the queues, and I thought that was really neat. Among the uh, many other uh, new elements, though, uh, uh, is another addition I really like. You know, for years there was this rumor of, of a wedding ring um, in the exit area and that it possibly belonged to maybe the attic bride or possibly to Madame Leota. 
And, and it just wasn't true. What guests were mistaking for a wedding ring buried in the cement was actually a hole that was, uh, it was for a, a, a post or stanchion or something to do with, uh, with double doors. And it, it looked like maybe it had been sheared off at some point or something. It did vaguely resemble a, a ring. But now, however, with the uh, addition of this new interactive queue areas, the Imagineers had a chance to to take this legend and and actually turn it into reality. So they actually added a wedding ring that's that's in the cement and uh, to thwart souvenir hunters, they actually attached it to a, uh, a a metal rod that's buried some several feet down into the cement. So it's it's ab- absolutely impossible to ever get the ring out of there. But I, I like that little touch. So this brings us uh, full circle back to the front of the queue and standing in front of uh, Madame Leota's tombstone. Something I didn't know is that uh, this is, you know, relatively speaking, a fairly new addition it had just been added in 2001. So we stood in front of the mansion for, for a little bit, and uh, and David was pointing out some interesting facts and interesting trivia. That gargoyle is from a real castle in Norway. We have people that work at Disney archives, that they go to yard sales, estate sales, and they pick up all kinds of neat stuff, and all over property, they put all kinds of very interesting stuff. Have we all been in the stretch rooms before? Yeah. How many of you heard the gargoyles talk before? Mm-hmm. Wait, let's go listen to them. Oh, I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. <laughs> the real chills come later. Now, as they say, look alive, and we'll continue our little tour. And let's all stay together, please. sequence now completed, the scene resets and the ceiling comes rushing back down towards us. Back out that way. I'm gonna open the secret. 
David led us back out into the foyer where we took a, a group photograph and that was the end of the tour. Except for the privilege of being the first riders of the day. I hope you enjoyed this little peek behind the curtain of what is still 41 years after its debut, one of the premier attractions at the Walt Disney World Resort and a personal favorite of mine. Very, very rare is the occasion that I go into the Magic Kingdom and don't take at least one turn on the Haunted Mansion. I, I absolutely, I just love this ride. I'm, I'm a little bit obsessive about it, as you could probably hear. But again, I, I, I'm just, I'm truly honored to have had this opportunity to tour it and, and most especially to share my enthusiasm for the experience with you, my friends. And, and I leave you now with one last little Halloween treat, a full virtual ride-through of the Haunted Mansion. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thank you for listening. Socialize. When hinges creak in doorless chambers and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Our tour begins here in this gallery, where you see paintings of some of our guests as they appeared in their corruptible mortal state. Your cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding, almost as though you sense a disquieting metamorphosis. Is this haunted room actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? Hmm? And consider this dismaying observation... This chamber has no windows and no doors, <laughs> which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. <laughs> of course, there's always my way. I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. <laughs> the real chills come later. Now, as they say, look alive, and we'll continue our little tour. And let's all stay together, please.
a carriage approaches to take you into the boundless realm of the supernatural. Kindly watch your step as you board, please. Do not pull down on the safety bar, please. I will lower it for you. And heed this warning. The spirits will materialize only if you remain quietly seated at all times. Oh yes, and no flash pictures, please. We spirits are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. Our library is well stocked with priceless first editions. Only ghost stories, of course. <laughs> and marble busts of the greatest ghost writers the literary world has ever known. They have all retired here to the haunted mansion. Actually, we have 999 happy haunts here. But there's room for a thousand. Any volunteers? Hmm? If you should decide to join us, final arrangements may be made at the end of the tour. We find it delightfully unlivable here in this ghostly retreat. Every room has wall-to-wall -wall creeps. And hot and cold, running chills. Shh! Listen. <laughs> All our ghosts have been dying to meet you. This one can hardly contain himself. <laughs> Unfortunately, they all seem to have trouble getting through. Perhaps Madame Leota can establish contact. 
she has a remarkable head for materializing the disembodied. Serpents and spiders, tail of a rat, call in the spirits wherever they're at. Rap on a table. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween. Awaken the spirits with your tambourine. Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music from regions beyond. Wizards and witches, wherever you dwell, give us a hint by ringing a bell. The happy haunts have received your sympathetic vibrations and are beginning to materialize. They're assembling for a swinging wake. And they'll be expecting me. I'll see you all a little later.
Gorsh Creek and the two stones quake. Spooks come out for a swing and wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim green ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim green ghosts come out to socialize. As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Grim green ghosts come out to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, we're ghosting where spirits dwell. Restless bones etherealize. Rise as spooks of every size. <laughs> When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy thoughts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide, or a silly spook may sit by your side, shrouded in a daft disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to as the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Green grinning ghosts come out to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, weird glows gleam with the spirits dwell. Restless bones etherealize, rises spooks of every size. Oh, yes, they do. When the cryptos creep and the tombstones quake, spooks come both for a swing and wake. Captain Hearts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim Gunn Ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a city spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim Gunn Ghosts come out to socialize. I can't see the word for them. I can't see the word for them. As the moon flies higher, the tail of peace gets away from the night's feet. Creepy creeps with fear. Start to shriek and harmonize. Grim couldn't go, but the stars shall rise. When you feel the nail of earth, we unbear it. Don't bring the spirit of wrath. Restless bones are serialized. Rise as folks of every size. I, 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 I. When the cryptos creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy hearts materialize, spooks begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. On a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a death disguise, they pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ah, there you are. And just in time, there's a little matter I forgot to mention. Beware of hitchhiking ghosts. <laughs> They have selected you to fill our quota, and they'll haunt you until you return. Now I will raise the safety bar, and a ghost will follow you home. For more information on the Haunted Mansion, check out the website doombuggies.com. For the complete story, from concept to feature film, check out Jason Sorrell's definitive book on the subject, The Haunted Mansion, From the Magic Kingdom to the Movies. Both are excellent resources. If you enjoyed this show, drop us a line at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, 
visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.